Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune, covering breaking news and current events as it pertains to Bible prophecy. In effect, chronicling the coming of Christ the King. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune this November the 11th, 2017. It is a great privilege and an honor to be with you all here this week, ladies and gentlemen. Oh my goodness, the things that have come across our plates uh, this week. The Saudi prince is on a witch hunt, shall we say. There are more things going on politically than I think any of us can wrap our minds around. Things are coming down the barrel that at breakneck speed, uh, we are itching toward war. Uh, it's, it's, ladies and gentlemen, you take a look at the economy. You take a look at what's going around the oil fields around the world Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for somebody to pull that trigger. We're to that point where the entire world is just teetering. This is not getting any better. It's exponentially getting worse. How do you feel? Are you at ease, ladies and gentlemen? How about the church as a whole? Everybody knows that presently we have all kinds of societal breakdown going on as we speak. Look across the globe, across Europe, our own backyard. The pressure in this pressure cooker, I think, is at the threshold. What are you going what are your plans? If tomorrow you should wake up and realize that somebody did in fact pull the start gun trigger. Why are you gonna pull those pistols and whistle Dixie? Let's ride.
Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune. Let's get Clinton in the saddle right straight away. How's your week been, Clinton? And uh, what particular has been catching your eye in the news this week, bud? You know, uh, my week's uh, been been pretty good. Um, a lot of uh, good things personally going on, which is nice. Um, but then watching what's what's going on in the rest of the world is is absolutely insane. Um, you know, the the tour that's going on uh, with Trump in, in Asia right now, and the the craziness that's going on in Saudi Arabia and Yemen and Iran and Lebanon, and it just seems like everything is just coming to a climax. I mean, that's that's the best way to to put it. Well, I agree, Clinton. That is a very good way to put it, indeed. Um, you know, this, this stuff that's going on in in Saudi Arabia is off the charts. What's going on? Um, you know, we seem to have uh, major problems in Spain that it seems like everybody's just ignoring. Um, I still am not seeing uh, any well any comparable biblical news sites record, uh, reporting news really even talking about it. Uh, there's major distrife going on <laughs> across this planet, uh, especially in the West that nobody seems to be grabbing a hold of. Well, Brian, uh, how has your week went, and what particular news items have been catching your eye, bud? Brian, you are live. Yup, and you needed to give me a minute. I have to have a chair to sit in. No, 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 no. Yeah, go ahead, man. Uh, how's my week been? Yeah, I guess once again, no different than any other week. Just a whole heck of a lot been going on, and. Man, oh, man, when you know what places to look in, oh, boy, light really gets shined into those dark places. Well, you know, Brian, that's that's the problem, isn't it? Uh, you know, I went around to some comparable uh, biblically-based uh, news ministries and uh, – well, Brian, it was disturbing. Uh, it was – well, in, in my opinion, it was exclusively entertainment. Um, and that bothers me. Now, there was some things on a couple of them about these uh, political arrests that's been being made, uh, like um, uh, Mr. Icon uh, this past weekend – but largely, I'm sitting there scratching my head like, you're really reporting on actors and uh, entertainers? And, and what, ladies and gentlemen, please understand this. An athlete is an entertainer. You don't – you know, it, I've had problems since I was a boy, ladies and gentlemen, um, because even in – my younger years, the nightly news was 30 minutes, right? Well, 15 minutes of that was sports. 
You got about, you know, several minutes of actual news and then, of course, the weather. But, ladies and gentlemen, surely you know that athletes are entertainers. That's that's entertainment. You, and it's bothering uh, to me, guys. It, it, it really is. Um, I don't know why these ministries are trying to direct everybody's attention uh, to the sins of the entertainment industry. Of, of, of course they're – of course they do what they do. I mean of course they do. You know, and it amazes me how people – well, they think God doesn't know what he's talking about. That, that's always bothered me, okay? And everybody needs to understand a couple of things in the Bible, okay? Uh, Christ commanded you to – well, in a figurative way to put it, make sure you don't hold on to more than what you need, in excess. Well, he did that for a reason because he also told you that uh, the love of money was the root of all kinds of evil. Okay, let's just take a case in point. If I was to go give, let's say, Bry, let's say I was going to give him $5 million. Now, I know Brian. I don't think I know him. He slept in my house. I know him. I love him. I know him because I love him. So I know what he would do. He would go take care of their needs. He'd go buy a new car, maybe a new truck just in case. Um, he would, of course, let his uh, wife go berserk on clothes, you know, to an extent. He wouldn't let her buy fur and all that. You know, he wouldn't let her buy any thousand dollar dress or anything but he would make sure she was entertained and of course I'm sure he would have some very expensive uh, silk uh, sweatshirted sweatshirted uh, hoodies of uh, Nessie made but that would probably be the extent of his excess and then the cold dark night would set in ladies and gentlemen and he could think of himself, you know what we could go shopping in Paris you know, my wife's never been snow skiing in the Alps. It blows me away. I can't figure out why Christ said everything that he said. Well, that's why. <laughs> because when you're paid that much money on a yearly basis, ah, the night sets in. The urges for indulgences overcome you. Because literally, if that much money, you can do whatever you want. And not only that, you can do it anywhere you want. If you want to go see kangaroos, if your wife says, oh, I love kangaroos, well, you can take her that day. You can go get in a, on an airplane that day, pay for the ticket to Australia. Ladies and gentlemen, you need to understand that Christ gave these commandments for a reason. He did it for your protection because, <laughs> well, you're a machine. You didn't know that? You are. 
And naturally, these things will happen. And if you allow yourself to keep a hold of excess, I'm not saying that you can't have more than what you need. I didn't say that. I didn't say you should clutch it in excess. Because what you clutch, that's what you want. So, with that being said, uh, Clinton, jump right in the saddle and start your news diatribe, buddy. The mic is yours. You know, Matthew uh, touched on uh, one thing that is very, very relevant. I think it's becoming more and more relevant as we go through this process. And, and this is a process. We, we, we know the final outcome of this, um, but it is a process, and we are seeing it develop. Well, one of those is why is there not any news coverage on what's going on in Spain? Uh, what, what's going on over as Catalonia uh, basically kind of dissolves and the European Union dissolves. Uh, same with why is there no uh, American reporting that there is two weeks left to come up with a deal for Brexit or they are going to stop negotiating for the year um, and, and, and stuff like that. Well, we, we had mentioned in, in numerous different uh, broadcasts before um, about the war on the truth, war on information, war on the media. And you can use the, the prime example of what's going on in Qatar and Al Jazeera News Network and how Saudi Arabia basically, before all this happened in the last week, was holding Qatar, you know, um, basically shutting off all the ports and their entire economy, not allowing food to get brought into the country. And one of their demands was for Qatar to, to shut down Al Jazeera News Network. Well, we've seen Israel say the same exact thing, and we've seen numerous different attempts against Fox News or CNN or NBC or, or whoever it may be that's reporting the news as they're fake news or, or who's not telling the truth. So this disinformation is very hard to find exactly what's going on. And we have a, a, a recent development, which is also crazy as well, which is associated with RT, uh, Russia Times. Um, I mean, you can tell from the title, Russia Times, it's a Russian company, basically, but it's a, it's a news network, and they have an American branch, and they you know, have Americans that are reporters for RT. Um, there's been a, a, an interesting development, because Washington uh, will apply its Foreign Agents Registration Act to RT America. Um, the channel announced uh, the Department of Justice has given the broadcaster until Monday to register as a foreign agent. Otherwise, the channel's head faces arrest and the accounts could be frozen. So basically, RT has to register with the United States government as a foreign agent. Otherwise, the head of the news network goes to prison um, and gets fined and all of his bank assets are frozen. Well, they go on and are saying that this is a, an attempt against uh, freedom of speech, you know, that, that people are not able to see it. RT is saying that the, the reason that this is happening is because they're giving them a different point of view, giving Americans or people within the, the world a different view on what's happening versus the narrative, what is being told by whoever is orchestrating whatever is going on. So for a news agency to come out and say that as they're being attacked by 
the Washington government um, is very interesting and unique. Well, the, the worst developments of it, though, is the Russian government came out and also said that if the United States does do these actions against RT, that they will have reciprocal actions against American broadcasters in Russia. Now, that may not sound too, too hostile, too crazy or anything, but the problem is when a, a company, or as in this case right here, registers as, as uh, a foreign national or as you know, someone that's working for another government, is all of the personnel for the employees, all the personal data of where people live and who they are and everything becomes public data. So everyone that works for RT in the United States that works for Russia Times that just registered as a foreign government official or whatever it may be, the public information gets released to everyone else. And in the same, in Russia, when they reciprocate and they do the same thing, they're going to release all of the American journalist information in Russia. So, um, yeah, this is getting messy. This is getting ridiculous. So even if you have someone that is, say, trying to present the truth, which RT is saying that they are trying to present the truth, a different narrative to the world of what is going on, and they've been a respected publication for many, many years, they're going to have to register, and their employees are going to have to have their safety put in jeopardy for continuing this profession with this company. So the employees either continue putting their lives in jeopardy or they resign and try to get a, you know, a job at another news network. Well, Matthew brought up, you know, earlier, you know, sports, how 15 minutes of the news were sports and 15 minutes were, you know, news. Well, ESPN is having massive layoffs, you know, and they plan on doing more. So if even the sports are laying people off, then these news reporters, they're not going to be able to, you know, work for these publications. And then what happens with the narrative of truth? When you have a news network, Al Jazeera, you have a news network, RT, you have a news network in CNN, Fox News, whoever it may be, that are being attacked, that are saying that their truth narrative, that what they are saying to the world is not real. And who controls that narrative? Well, we're going to find out. Because this, this starts on Monday. They have to report this on Monday. And then what happens from there? We're on uncharted territory. Just like what's going on in Saudi Arabia, we are in uncharted territory in all of this. You know, the, the fact that the crown prince is supposed to become the king in two days. He's supposed to become king of Saudi Arabia, the wealthiest country in the world, after he arrested everyone that would go against him and possibly killed someone in a helicopter crash, is then going to be pronounced king of Saudi Arabia. And they're not done. They're, they've only seized $800 billion from their family. They've only imprisoned numerous people. And this has all been sanctioned or orchestrated or talked about, however you want to put it, by the Trump administration. We know Jared Kushner has made numerous trips to talk with, the, with Saudi Arabia and the Saudi prince specifically. 
and that these moves that are going on in Saudi Arabia are completely unique, completely new. Something's never happened in Saudi Arabia, and no one knows how it's going to react. So the timing is unique because we have this craziness in Saudi Arabia that's going on. This this prince that wasn't even close to being in the line of secession rises in power very, very rapidly, takes control, arrests everyone that's in the opposition for him, and within a week is king. That smells fishy. It smells interesting. It smells crazy. And on top of that, there are allegations that the reason the Lebanese prime minister resigned is because he's being held a hostage in Saudi Arabia, that he was summoned by the king of Saudi Arabia to come to Saudi Arabia, was held hostage, resigned, and has not been able to leave Saudi Arabia since he's resigned. Hezbollah is actually saying that. Of course, Saudi Arabia is saying that Hezbollah is Iranian-backed and that they have taken the Lebanese government hostage. Who, who do you believe? The guy that's been in power for less than a year that they're holding a hostage in Saudi Arabia who says that Lebanon and Iran are trying to kill him or Hezbollah who has been fighting with Assad against ISIS and American-backed troops in Syria? Which news network are you going to listen to to find out what is the truth, what is truly going on behind the scenes? Because, well, they're going to put whatever narrative that they want to out there. And the reason for that is to distract, is to say, hey, look over here. Look at Harvey Weinstein. Look at Kevin Spacey. Look at Louis C.K. Look at all these guys in Hollywood that were womanizers that everyone knew was a womanizer. They just chose this time to bring it out. They just chose this time to release the JFK files. They just chose this time to say that there was a new planet that's 12 times the size of Jupiter in the middle of the Milky Way. They just chose this time. They, they just chose this time that saying by 2019 they're going to have a trip to Mars, a space shuttle that truly is going to Mars. So what is so unique about this time? Well, that is what we are here explaining. That's what we are here showing. And when you start to put the pieces together, then it kind of makes sense. And one of the main pieces that is starting to come together, not only all of this crazy stuff that's going on in Saudi Arabia, but the people that were summoned by the king to Saudi Arabia before it all went down. You have Jared Kushner. You have the Prime Minister of Lebanon. You have Macron for France that rushed over there to try to figure out what's going on as well. And then you have Mahmoud Abbas, the leader of the Palestinian Authority, that was summoned to the king. And he was summoned on Monday to discuss the intra-Palestinian reconciliation process between the Palestinian Authority and Hamas and also the American plan to restart the Israeli-Palestinian peace talks with the king of Saudi Arabia. So 
Abbas went to the king of Saudi Arabia, sat there and met with him while all this is going down, and briefed the king on the fact that Hamas is planning on giving control of Gaza Strip over the Palestinian Authority on December 1st. Hamas has already given control of the border crossings to the Palestinian Authority last week. So for those of you that don't know, Hamas has been in control for a long time. The Palestinian Authority uh, recently gave control to Abbas again after he lost it. Abbas is trying to work out a peace treaty with Israel, and Saudi Arabia just got briefed on the situation and the progress of that peace treaty. So how close are we? What time is it? When when are Fox News and CNN or anyone going to tell stories about this? No, no. You have to look at Israeli publications to find anything. You have to dig and you have to look. You have to try to understand and know what to look for. And if you haven't been versed in trying to understand this, you better be because the truth is being harder to find. Now, if if you think that this issue with Saudi Arabia and Palestine and Lebanon and everything is is over or you know it's not going to get any worse, well, just look at uh, what's going on in Syria. And the reason I say go look at what's going on in Syria is because Assad made an incredible uh, review this last week, and, and basically he's coming out and saying that any force that is inside Syria that is there without his authority is an illegal invader and will be treated as such. So he was specifically talking about the Turkish-backed Free Syrian Army and the American-led Syrian Democratic Forces. Now, Turkey has been coming up down from the north, and America, or the Syrian Democratic Forces, has been coming up from the south. They have been fighting. You have Israel that's already said that they are looking to go into Syria, which would then classify as this as well. Syria has been helped by Hezbollah, who is in Lebanon, so you can put the ties together and see that. problem is Assad also came out, his regime came out on Friday, and said that the Syrian army will soon challenge the Syrian Democratic forces for Raqqa. So basically, he just said that Syria is going to go up against the United States over Raqqa and liberate that from the Americans, from the American-backed forces in Syria that they classified as invaders. So all that's going on with Saudi Arabia calling out Hezbollah, calling out Iran, saying that the missile that was shot from Yemen was Iranian, and the United States have come out and actually supported that and backed that. That regime... that the United States, that the whole world has tried to remove from power, is about ready to attack the United States. And it's funny because even when uh, Donald Trump and, and Vladimir Putin got together, you know, for the Asia conference that they're at, they got together in Vietnam. Uh, if anyone sees the video, they're smiling, they're happy. Two guys that seem to be about ready to go to war are pretty chummy, um, pretty amazing. And they told the press that they plan on talking about North Korea, but – Turns out they talked about Syria. They didn't talk about North Korea because, well, that's already done. That The plan's already in motion for North Korea. 
yeah, yeah. If you understand what Trump is doing, he just made a tour throughout Asia. And what did he do? He visited Japan, sold a whole bunch of weapons. I think it was $4 billion worth of weapons to a country that in their constitution cannot attack anyone until after they've been attacked. Then he went to South Korea and he sold $8 billion worth of weapons to South Korea while the whole time talking about how North Korea cannot stand to the point that the North Korean leader came out saying that Donald Trump is begging for a nuclear war because of what he said in South Korea. Then Donald Trump goes to China and makes a massive deal to sell them food. Pork, beef, to sell them food. So why would that fit into it? He's, he's arming Japan, he's arming South Korea, but he sells food to China. You can say, well, he doesn't want to arm China because we're not necessarily friends with China. Well, then why, then get, why give him food? unless you look at what is right on the border of North Korea and China, the, the camps that have been made, the um, refugee centers that China created. And they started working on these a couple of years ago. I remember seeing the article on it where they, they made these refugee camps right outside of North Korea because they knew that the time would come when an invasion would happen in North Korea and those people would flood and there would be massive refugees that come into China and they needed a place to put them. Now they have a way to feed them. Trump is finishing his visit. He just talked to Putin in Vietnam and then he leaves. And as he leaves, what goes on? A joint military drill between the United States and South Korea that contains three aircraft carriers as he leaves. Is he, and I mean, is the President of the United States this proud, this prideful to make a tour in a portion of the nation and as soon as he leaves to wage war? to attack and invade. And I mean invade because the Pentagon has said that the only way the North Korea's nukes can be insured is if there is a ground invasion. So invade North Korea. That's their plan. That is what they may be doing here now. (laughs) This drill is legit. So where are you going to listen to that? We're losing our ability to understand what is truly going on. And it's because our society is changing to in a way that, that we can't even fathom. None of us can envision what is happening. We can, we can try to put it down on paper. We can try to explain it. But realistically, we just know that a lot of crazy stuff is going to happen and a lot of people are going to die, unfortunately. Individual, tiny little buildups of it, how those little pieces come together, that's the amazing part to see, the, the workings of God as he does this. And he puts the little pieces together. And that's what's incredible to see. And one of those little pieces is just a little tidbit that, that the CEO of Deutsche Bank, 
you know, said about robots, automation, about his employees. So this is a bank, you know, a bank that handles money that you would think would need to have lots of employees. Well, he came out and says that robots could possibly replace half of the 97,000 employees that work for Deutsche Bank. Now, Oxford has come out and said the same exact thing. They said 47% of U.S. jobs will be replaced by robots, automated technology, artificial intelligence within the next 20 years, and that that displacement has already started to happen. So they anticipate this happening gradual, you know, that, that our world is going to change in a gradual manner over the next 20 years, which isn't really gradual, considering the half of the population in the United States is going to be out of work with no way to ensure their way of living, with no way of providing, paying their mortgage, buying food, no way. And, and the response, <laughs> the response from the CEO of Deutsche Bank on his view of this is, well, we'll have to find new ways of employing people, and maybe people need to find new ways of spending their time. And then he goes on and says, the truthful answer is we won't need as many people. I mean, it's very true. This, this world that we're transitioning into, this world that we're changing into, this, this new order, as you can call it, is not going to require as many people. If everything is automated, if everything is run by robots, you don't need all us worthless eaters. All of us people on the bottom that, uh, uh, you know, have to toil with our hands. You have robots that can do that. You have robots that can flip the burgers. You have robots that can, you know, charge the car. You have robots, whatever it may be. They're not going to necessarily need us. And so what, what, what does that do to us? Like, how does that stem? How, how, like, how do we evolve out of this? And, Part of that is not only going to be the second half of his answer, which is there's too many people, which the best way to depopulate portions of the earth are is war. Plain and simple. And if you are going to have a society that everyone has superhuman abilities, has the ability to travel everywhere, has luxury on a level that the world has never seen, you, you really only want to share that with people that you like or that you are on the same social spectrum with. So you strategically eliminate certain people. That's just typically how, how it work. I mean, it wouldn't make sense to sit there and, and just go into an entire country and, and wipe everyone out. I mean, that, that wouldn't make sense to do anything like that, uh, except for we might actually be doing that. But what, what they plan on doing with the rest of us is, is they're looking for a new identification system. They're, they're saying that the, the way that they are tracking us now through the use of social security numbers is no longer valid. And part of the reason for that is because of the Equifax hack and a bunch of other hacks that have happened is, you know, because of identity theft, social security numbers are not necessarily a good way of, of securing data or, you know, helping people with loans and, and stuff like that. Um, so they're working on a new, 
new spectrum. And, and, and actually, the Trump administration is also interested in abandoning the Social Security number in favor of a, a more secure, more digital form of identification, stating that the form of ID has outlived its usefulness. So this is something that the Trump administration is truly looking into changing. And the, I guess, the model that is kind of like catching everyone's eye that everyone's looking at as the model that they, they really like is Brazil's model. And in Brazil's model is they, they basically use a digital signature and it kind of works like a, a written signature. So from my understanding, it's kind of like the new iPhone that you unlock it with your face, a digital signature. And then that way, that is how you would be identified. Uh, that would be your new driver's license. Your new identification code would be something kind of like a digital signature. They don't go into much detail about it. But the interesting thing about it is in Brazil that those identification accounts, you have to renew them every three years, and they can be revoked at any time. So basically if your citizenship is digital and you don't play along, they can revoke your citizenship at any time. That's kind of the model that Brazil has that they're working on. And the United States knows that this is a project that they want to work on possibly, and I would assume here in the next year, next two years. So watch that. The the last little thing before I hand it back over to Matthew is um, what, what happened in, in Texas is horrible. Um, you know, I mean, none of us ever wish that upon anyone, you know, uh, any Christian to be at church and to have someone shoot 400 rounds inside of a little church. Um, no one ever wants to hear that noise. No one ever wants to see it, but it happened. And it's disgusting. And it's opening up massive debates. It's opening up massive wounds in this nation and um, guys be careful protect yourselves and I don't mean protect yourselves like go get a gun I mean protect yourself spiritually because carrying a gun shooting back or I don't necessarily think that that is the route to go so everyone just be humble and try to help everyone through as, as best we can but I'll hand it back over to you, Matthew. Well, that certainly is true. Uh, we're certainly not telling everybody to go buy guns and uh, go to church. Brian and I just had a historical discussion about that very thing earlier this week. Also bring to mind him talking about they're going to do this to... The reporters, well, it's extortion, ladies and gentlemen. Once once this happens, of course, the respective governments that does this to the news agencies, you will no longer be able to trust anything that comes out of their mouth. But this has really bore out here very recently with the murder of this investigative uh, journalist this past week. Daphne Galiza. Look, ladies and gentlemen, everybody knows what's going to happen. 
do you hand out the whereabouts of journalists, they will be killed. All journalists know that. That's why we can't get news. Okay? Let's talk about something real. Senator Schaefer from Georgia reported that, uh, if I remember correctly, Georgia had on the order of 3,000 missing children in its CPS clutches. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that senator was murdered with her husband in their beds. Nobody did anything. Most of you probably don't even know what I'm talking about. But Russia Today knows it, CNN knows it, everybody knows it. Once you do that, the investigative reporting, especially on the kleptocracy, will immediately cease. Because you can't tell the truth, because then somebody's going to come and, well, they'll kill you. Everybody knows that. So, you know, these... Everything's beginning to ramp up concerning these news agencies. I mean, what is... You know what amazes me? Does anybody know what the Senate and Congress voted on last... Of course you don't. You have no idea. Just like NAFTA and GATT. Remember Farm Aid back in the 80s? You know why that happened? I'll tell you why it happened, because nobody reported on it. So the thousands of farmers had no idea we were getting ready to import what they were growing, put them out of business, so the bankers and the barons could roll right through it and own everything. So what they did, and guess what everybody did? Nothing. Do you want to know why? Farmers couldn't do anything because by the time they found out about it, they didn't have any money. No protest. Nobody could go to Washington, D.C. Because the same exact crops from the year before, that price was, well, reduced by two-thirds. I mean, it, it really happened. You know, look up uh, John Cougar Mellencamp. I think it was 1986 and his farm aid deal. It was too late. Just like uh, Detroit, Michigan. You know when they found out, don't you? Well, after they had already passed the laws, shut everything down. Well, because the big three already had factories ready to go up and running immediately. You didn't know that? Are you that dumb? Surely you're not that dumb. So, uh, how many of you know all the things that were voted on and passed this past summer? You don't have a clue, especially at the state level. At the state level, you have no remote idea. 
and I got a kick out of out of a buddy from mine from uh, South Dakota. I informed him that, by the way, one of the highest-ranking Democrats is from South Dakota. He looked at me like I was crazy. I asked him, I said, hey, man, have you ever met a Democrat in South Dakota? Never. You live here? Oh, yeah. Generations. Generations. And he just... He was stumped. He didn't believe me. He had to go look it up. He come back the next day shocked. There ain't no... There's no Democrats in South Dakota. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. But that's not what was really sad. What's really sad is he thought that being a Republican meant something it was somehow tied to Christianity. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this has been a kleptocracy for some time. And you're actually quite stupid if you don't know that. And if you voted for anybody, you voted for the kleptocracy. I mean, surely you know that. You know what's funny, though? Russians will be able to tell you that. And, uh, you know, Russians aren't like us. They're kind of sick of it. So, you know, I feel sorry for all of these journalists that are actually trying to do their jobs within the stipulations of their mandates from the bankers and the barons, of course. I mean, I'm sure this in some way shapes or shape and form implements my good buddy, Pepe Escobar. Matter of fact, it wouldn't surprise me if he's already relocating. Pepe don't have a dimmer switch, ladies and gentlemen. He calls it like he sees it, pulls his pistols blazing for glory. So, Pepe, you're out there, buddy. I hope you're making preparations for yourself. I mean, let's remind everybody about what's happening in Greece right now. Realize it hasn't changed. Okay, let let me make sure you all understand this. If you had $2 million in retirement in Greece, right now, guess how many euros you can withdraw a day? Let's, let's, let's get Clinton back on here asking that question. Clinton, has the situation changed in Greece, or are they still only allowed to withdraw, I think it's 50 or 60 euros a day? Has that changed? Do you know of? I'm not sure if it's uh, changed or not. Um, I'm, I'm pretty confident it has, but but they're definitely not uh, not where they should be. <laughs> not where they and they will never go back to where they were. Is that the correct appraisal of the situation, Clinton? Yeah. Once you open Pandora's box, you can never go back. 
Okay, so you can, so let me make sure you and I make this perfectly clear to all of our listeners. If you have $2 million, okay, let's just take one of my good friends. I know she has 1.86. She has 1.86 mil in Edward Jones. Well, just that one, but we'll talk about that one. When this happens in America, she's going to be allowed to take out, let's say, 60 bucks. Ladies and gentlemen, she will never, ever, ever get back the 1.86 mil in Edward Jones. Not ever. It's gone. The people in Greece that had millions of dollars in their retirement, they're never going to get it back. You understand? It's gone. Now, Clinton, they will get a percentage of that back, right? If they're lucky, like 1%. But once you devalue the currency... But the percentage that the currency is valued is just gone, right? I tell you what. Yeah, Give us the number. Let's, Let's say the dollar is devalued by... Just give me a percent. Let's say it's devalued by 20%. So if you had a million dollars in the bank, you'd only get 800000 correct? You would never get the 200000 that you lost because of the currency degrade back, right? It's just gone. It's history. Yeah, it's just gone. To give you an example, when this happened in Russia, um, the, the trade was uh, for one of the new currency, it was 1000 of the old. Okay, did you hear that, ladies and gentlemen? That was real. Do you understand? Clinton's not lying to you. That's not fiction. Do you not understand what he just said? Okay. He just said that if a Russian basketball player had a thousand rubles in the bank the day after he had won nine hundred ninety-nine. Of that Russian basketball player's rubles were gone forever. Do you not understand that? Now this is, ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) you do understand there's Christians in Greece, right? Matter of fact, ladies and gentlemen, most of the people that this happened to that were retired or near retirement, I hate to rain on your party, but if they were from Greece, most of them were Christians. You do understand that, correct? Uh, let's talk about, um, lately Clinton has brought up Venezuela quite a lot. Uh, do you know the percentage of the population of Venezuelans that were Christians? It basically, ladies and gentlemen, it basically happened to Christians. And somehow you think you're immune. You really think you're immune. Some of you really have already, a year ahead, you call yourselves Christians and you go to church every Sunday. You've actually already paid for tickets to next year's Indy 500 and the Super Bowl, haven't you? No reason to lie to me. I have numerous 
friends that are in the clergy, so to speak. Many of these people are on church boards. They're the church uh, secretary, Sunday school superintendent. They've already got their tickets paid for next year's cruise because the whole church goes on a cruise so they can claim it off on taxes and lie. They'll say it's for a church conference. And you know what? That's exactly what all of the upper middle class, upper class, middle class, Greek Christian retirees were doing. You know, maybe some of you ought to get on Facebook and find them and ask them. Just ask them. Write to them and say, well, how much did you have before? And they'll tell you, oh, yeah, we had, a, we had plans to uh, go to the French Riviera. We still have the tickets, but we can't go because we can't afford the food and all that stuff. Write them and ask them. I'm sure they'll tell you. Man, I wish I was joking with you, but I'm not. But, you know. I mean, you only have what you have because God says so. That's it. And the people of Greece that were in the upper echelons of society, or so they thought, they'll be more than happy to tell you that right now. You have what you have only because God says so. He can flip a switch, snap his fingers, and poof, it's gone. He don't, he don't ask your permission, ladies and gentlemen. He never did. He never will. But he's naturally assuming that you're going to watch your siblings. You're going to watch and pray for the Christians in Venezuela that are having a hard time in Greece. And all. But you don't, do you? I mean, you actually think that I don't? I haven't been in church before when somebody had a prayer request for their football team? You actually think I haven't been there and witnessed to people stand up and have a prayer request for the pitcher of their baseball team? I just pricked you, didn't I? Because you didn't think I could see in the dark. I know what you do. I know what you pray for. And it's never for anything that God cares about. So, let's just say just one of you have a million dollars in retirement. And you're probably getting squirmy because you know I know a lot of you that are. So, you actually think... If God was to pull the start trigger right now, he'd be okay with you have setting on a golden egg of a million dollars and you was in real time letting his children in Venezuela starve to death 
and you think he's cool with that. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, you got another thing coming. You're going to be caught up in a stampede. You don't even know what's going on. I mean, look, I'm not trying to be judgmental to you. We would have to agree off of last week's listens. 99% of you, I don't know, will never know, but that's okay. Do you actually think God is good with your 401k, with you knowing full well You've got Greek siblings right now that are elderly and cannot afford their heart medicine. And you do nothing. And you wait for Sturgis to come. You're cool with that. Well, we're going to see. So, with that in mind, on to better and bigger things. Uh, we're going to take a break. It's the top of the hour, and of course, our break this week is provided to us by Reawaken Hymns. I strongly suggest that you utilize this resource. By the way, this is a resource from the Holy Spirit. I suggest you utilize it. You are listening to the End Time Tribune. Sinking sand 
Christ is solid rock, I stand over the ground, it's sinking sand over the ground, it's sinking sand. Hi, this is Nathan and you're listening to Reawaken Hymns. For more information and hymn resources, check out my website, www.reawakenhymns.com, or find me on YouTube at Reawaken Hymns. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the End Time Tribune. That is good stuff right there. That is, that's good stuff. Um, wow, that's that's good stuff. My thanks go out to Nate. Um, you do a wondrous thing. I can do many things, to be sure. But that's just one thing I can't do. And I certainly appreciate you stepping up to the plate and filling in my lack. Well, Brian, uh, jump on here with your question and comments about uh, either what Clinton had to say or what I had to say, and uh, then just go ahead and start into your news diatribe, bud. Well, I think for the most part, I'm just going to roll right into this. But, you know, I think something important to point out here is, you know, a lot of things were brought up about, 
the uh, media and the news, you know, and it's kind of uh, one of these things, folks, where you really got to realize, especially as far as Western-based news sources are concerned, how much money and pull and monopolization has gone on within the uh, news industry, not to even mention how much on top of it, especially within the United States, is used for well, they they change the terminology. What we, um, you know, that word propaganda. Well, they they did a little quick switch on you, and they called that public relations. And that's a lot of what is happening within American news is they are trying to use that to build public opinion in support of policies they are making throughout the rest of the world. You know, and you know, big for instance in this is pushes we're seeing right now to, you know, for instance, attack Iran, let's say the Russian narrative, or, you know, North Korea, whatever it may be, you know, there's even been pushes and talks of jumping into Venezuela, but that's how they've been spinning this thing, that's what they've been doing for ages on end, and this is why I've had to repeat this time and time and time again, if you want to know what's going on in a certain part of the world, you need to get a hold of their news directly from them as opposed to what's been filtered through the lens and then regurgitated from you have essentially two news sources where everybody pulls from they get all their news from Reuters AFP without fail so those two sources is where everybody pulls everything from and then they sit there and they spin a little bit more information in one story and you can get 20 different headlines that are essentially the same headline and find out completely different information by going through each American news source. And, for instance, with the Saudi Arabian uh, fiasco that's been happening throughout this week, that's exactly what's been going on. You'll have the same headline, and you'll get a whole completely different uh, set of information from each story, which really is sort of ridiculous, having to read through 20 stories to put the pieces together is ridiculous. Nonetheless, I mean, where and how do we start with this, folks? I think maybe we should stop and consider for a moment how important every single one of these little, seemingly, maybe unrelated events could somehow be directly tied into and excruciatingly important as far as Bible prophecy is concerned. Because, look, let's start with the simple ones. First off and foremost, just as I brought up a couple weeks back and as I've been bringing up for years upon years on end, we need to watch Iran. Why? Well, what does Daniel tell us? Okay, we're going to see a clash with the Ram, which is designated by the Medes and the Persians. We've had interesting little things going on with Kurdistan, and that has gotten more and more revealing, not to even mention messed up by the moment. Now, to touch on this real quickly, it came out into the open a couple within the last week that America and Britain knew full well what was going to happen there inside of Iran, and they are Iraq, and they literally stepped back and allowed the Iraqi forces backed by uh, the Shiite militias there to take over Kirkuk. But why would they do such a thing? 
because within hours, British Petroleum, a.k.a. BP, came in and took over the reins in Kirkuk. So, why would they be scrambling for oil in the Middle East unless a little bit something more was on the table here? And, as we'll come to find out, it definitely is. That in mind, what are we supposed to watch next, folks? Well, let's... uh, Let's consider what it says here in Matthew 12. You see, first in Matthew 12, we're told the men of Nineveh shall stand up against this generation at the judgment and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Moving on to the next verse, the queen of the south shall rise up with this generation at the judgment and shall condemn it because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, something greater than Solomon is here. Now, folks, we just had them retake Mosul, which the geographical location for Nineveh is right in the midst of that. Where did Islamic State arise from? They arose from Nineveh. Nineveh was declared a nation. Within hours, Islamic State rose up and took over. Okay, you can look all of this up, folks. They had just been given the money from the Iraqi government. They had been legally recognized, and within hours, Islamic State rose up and took over. So what are we told here with the Queen of the South? Well, folks, that's Yemen. And I'm sorry, yeah, you've got some of your famous uh, supposed uh, Bible prophecy scholars out there telling you Yemen's not important. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, they ain't got a clue. Especially when we're told emphatically, you better be watching Yemen. How does Yemen factor into this? Last week and continuing throughout this week, the Yemen war has been raging for quite some time. This is pretty much common knowledge. When the war broke out, it's been a war backed by the Sunni and against Shiite forces or the Houthi, which is stated to be aligned with Iran been hit or miss in one spot they claim they're not aligned with iran in other spots they state they are well they began to fly an iranian flag the day that the war broke out and it also broke out in the midst of the only solar eclipse in the midst of the blood moon tetrad the only major solar eclipse that's when the war for yemen broke out is on that very same day now we had Missiles that were shot by the Houthi rebels, one missile that was shot up in there, right in the midst of this chaos in Riyadh, going towards one of the airports in Riyadh, and of course they turned around and immediately stated that those were Iranian missiles, even though there's many scratching their heads going, well, wait a minute, there's a blockade on Yemen, how could they get Iranian missiles in there? Well, that's, you know... Always things don't add up. When they don't add up, maybe you should ask some questions. Nonetheless, this is not the first set of missiles that has flown out of Yemen. There's been several of them that have come out of there into Saudi Arabia. But never mind the fact that the crown prince, Mohammed bin Salman, MBS, as he's called by many after a while because they shortened the name, is the one that started the war in the first place, backing the Saudi Arabian coalition inside of Yemen. This has all been orchestrated by him. Now, 
as I mentioned last week, I was not shocked by anything that happened here with uh, Mr. Muhammad bin Solomon because I've been watching him since he was appointed crown prince in June. There was massive stirrings within the House of Saud, and it was all over the place in the news, and I had a very close eye on him because of everything that had started at that point in time, and people were referring to the fact that they might see what they referred to as a soft coup happen in Saudi Arabia. Well, you can call what you want to call it this week of what happened. No matter what, it is a coup, and he has completely grabbed the reins of Saudi Arabia and has removed anybody from seizing power from him. We had a helicopter that was went down on top of it on, I believe it was Monday. It was either Sunday or Monday. And basically, the person that was inside that helicopter was the only remaining relation to Ibn Saad, who was the one that founded Saudi Arabia. It's a little suspicious. There hasn't been much information that has come forward as to what caused this helicopter crash, but I don't know. In light of everything else that's happened, I don't think it's too much to sort of put two and two together and realize, wait a minute, something's not right here. <clears throat> now, it sort of disturbed me and bothered me the fact that I knew about this earlier last week and didn't even seem to catch it until news stories started to release concerning this fact. Last week it was announced that Jared Kushner had went to Saudi Arabia and set up a meeting with the crown prince and several others within Saudi Arabia, and you had in there Jason Greenblatt and Dina Powell all at the same time. It is reported that the leader of Lebanon had been called forth to those meetings two separate times. It's not really rocket science at this point in time to see that America's got their hands knee-deep in this. And when we had earlier within this last year, when we had the great big Middle Eastern trip by the American administration, when Donald Trump was out in Saudi Arabia and they signed over the great big multi-billion dollar arms deal, it was pretty much common knowledge right then and there that the House of Saud and the Sunnis were going to be used in a proxy war to move against Iran. This is exactly what they're doing. None of this should be surprising anybody at this point. Same thing is going on. Clinton mentioned this earlier. There's rumors that Harari, the leader of Lebanon, has been kidnapped. Nobody's seen him whatsoever since the point that he made this announcement from Riyadh, not one person has seen him. I tend to wonder what in the world is going on here, and as time uh, moves forward here, we're going to have to see what happens. But, I mean, how in the world does all this manage to tie into Bible prophecy? Well, folks... Do yourself a favor. Go into your search engine or for you, those of you at home with your regular paper, if you've got some sort of concordance, pull up Lebanon. And you can 
start wherever you'd like, but it really gets quite interesting when you move in starting from Isaiah and start going through all the prophetic books because you're going to find out certain areas all tie in hand-in-hand hand with this. You're going to continually see Lebanon's brought up, Assyria's brought up together with it. You have Egypt mentioned. And then, lo and behold, for some reason, you have Eden brought up, and then the cherry on top of the cake is when Ephraim is brought to the equation. Eden brought up. Well, I went to great lengths uh, showing everybody the fact that if you're going to be looking for Eden, you better be looking to Pakistan. Matter of fact, I brought up Ephraim. Now, I know some of the infamous uh, folks out there like to run around and claim that Ephraim is Britain in the United States. Well, no, folks, that's not even remotely close to reality, and just go take a look at genetics if you don't believe me. They know for a fact that within the Pakhtun tribes within Pakistan and Afghanistan, which some of them are involved with the Taliban, are indeed descended from Ephraim, and there's been great lengths of work that has gone through and even has correlated within their belief systems, within various customs, that they still have Jewish belief systems involved with them so it's pretty much in that part of the world it's common knowledge that Ephraim is out there in Pakistan well lo and behold you end up finding out let's see if I can find this one here story just was popped out today here let me get rid of these Oh, and I brought up Egypt. Let me mention this here. The Egypt's FM is to start an Arab tour amidst the Lebanon crisis, and he's going to be out meeting with Jordan, Kuwait, Bahrain, Oman, United Arab Emirates, and Saudi Arabia. And uh, let's see here. That's what it was. Uh, Bahrain, as well, was hit by an attack. Last night, where once again the fingers have been pointed at Iranian terrorists. Now, is this the... Uh... Well, basically it was released today that it's already looking as if a uh, province within Pakistan is going to be used for a proxy war against Iran. And the same article goes in and it points out the MEK, which is the... Uh, group that's in Iraq that was also tied in with the coup within 1979 with Ayatollah Khomeini. They have been the ones that have been leaking the continual information back to the United States stating that Iran has been in the midst of building nuclear weapons. This group I've warned about in the past we had some interesting things come up earlier in the year concerning concerning a little uh, gathering they had at Cyrus's tomb where the MEK was all over the place in the midst of that, and it was quite a little picture that they produced on top of it there. And this article I'm talking about here is from uh, lowblog.com. Saudi-Iranian proxy war heats up, and you can go out and look that one up. But I think one of the biggest ones here is where's all this going? Well, I thought it rather interesting that CNBC.com caught this. 
Saudi-Iranian war would create domino effect of global disaster. Let's see here. Events appear to be spinning out of control in the Middle East, and the threat of a Saudi-Iranian war is looking increasingly credible. Make no mistake, an out-and-out conflict between the two nations would be an unmitigated disaster for the region and the world. Okay, I can skip past this. The major OPEC oil producers all abutting the Persian Gulf export almost 20% of the world's oil supply through the Strait of Hormuz, which connects the Persian Gulf to global markets. The Strait, a mere 34 miles wide at its narrowest, sits pinched between Iran to the north and Oman to the south. Were a war between Saudi Arabia and Iran to erupt, this choke point could easily be closed. Indeed, shipping could stop even before a single ship is damaged if insurers perceive an imminent risk of attack on a tanker in that region, they would either suspend insurance or charge exorbitant rates for coverage. Under the circumstances, vessel owners could opt to wait out the hostilities rather than risk their tankers. Now, as you move forward into this article, let's uh, let's consider some things that happened last time around the ride that these events took place. The impact of such a closure on the global economy would be severe and immediate. For example, the Suez crisis of 1957 saw 10% of the world's oil production taken off the market. Within a month, the U.S. and Europe were facing a recession, which would last the better part of a year. 1973, the Arab-Israeli war and resulting OPEC embargo would bring long lines to the gas station as the oil price quadrupled on an annual basis. Global oil production held steady, but Persian Gulf exports to the U.S. fell by 1.2 million barrels, or about 7% of total U.S. consumption. This oil shock would plunge the U.S. into a recession, which lasted for two years. In the event of Saudi-Iranian hostilities, leading to a sustained outage of Persian Gulf exports, a severe and prompt global recession will follow similarly. Much of the 1973 U.S. imports from the Persian Gulf still amount to 8% of consumption, the loss of which was sufficient to knock 10% from the GDP from 1973 to 1975. However, China and other importers would seek to outbid the U.S. on its imports from countries like Nigeria, Angola, and even Brazil and Colombia. In all, U.S. imports could fall by 15% of total consumption, twice the drop from 1957 to 1973, and sufficient to plunge the U.S. into a deep recession lasting years. On the other hand, U.S. Import dependence has fallen dramatically since the start of the shale revolution. Even as the U.S. coastal regions would suffer from high oil prices, boom times would return to Louisiana, Texas, and up to North Dakota and Canada's Alberta province. Loss of 20% of the world's oil supply would push oil prices into the $200 per barrel range. Folks, Oil has been hovering between anywhere from 45 up to $60 per barrel. 
$200 barrel range. The shell sector would see its glory days. Those countries without material oil production would suffer the most, notably Europe, East Asia, Japan, and South Korea. China's situation would be dire. In the last few years, Chinese import dependence has become acute. Oil imports cover more than three-quarters of total Chinese consumption and half of China's imports originate in the Persian Gulf. Closure of the Strait of Hormuz would not only put China into a recession, but given the high degree of financialization of the economy, could create a wider societal political crisis. The reaction of the Chinese government is difficult to anticipate, but China would certainly bring maximal pressure on the U.S. and Persian Gulf countries to end the conflict by whatever means. The ultimate takeaway for China would be the necessity to build at all speed a global military and diplomatic presence capable of projecting force to influence events in the Middle East and, if necessary, to displace the U.S. in the region. All right, I think I can stop just right there, folks. Do you understand where this can lead? The amount of inflation that would be caused just by this act alone would be incredible. Never mind the fact that, tactically speaking, the U.S. now has the entire world in a stranglehold. Three United States leaders in Saudi Arabia previous to everything that just took place there. I don't know, folks. Start putting the dots together because it's starting to make sense as a whole. On top of it, we also had major reports concerning NATO. There's actually been quite a few different little articles that were released throughout the week as far as NATO's increased spending and looks to make a move towards Russia. The National Defense Authorization Act for the fiscal year 2018, on top of it, we had a top-line $692 billion for national defense, and he added in a $26 billion increase above the presidential combined initial and amended budget requests. Okay, why did he just add $26 billion from out of nowhere, folks? That's the President of the United States. So this has been floating around all over the place out there that NATO is definitely gearing up for something. And earlier in the week, on top of it, tying in with this, Saudi Arabia, Kuwait tells their citizens to leave Lebanon. We also had Bahrain. And a few of the other areas as well told their citizens to get out of that region. And I covered all those. I think that's... Oh, here's a big one. This was reported earlier in the week as well from a BBC report. Iran is building a permanent military base in Syria. And we basically, according to the BBC report, the base is situated at a site used by the Syrian army near El-Kizwa 
eight miles south of Damascus and 30 miles from the Israeli border. Let me uh, point out here quick, folks, for those of you that don't know what the Shia Crescent is, I would advise you type that in your search engines so you can get an idea of what they're referring to here because it's a major thing that's coming up nonstop in this. What is the Shia Crescent? Well, going from Bahrain into Iran, all the way through Iraq, into Syria, straight into Lebanon, right down to the border of Israel. This is what Israel has been up in arms about. And I would have to say as far as strategically speaking, yes, there is definitely something to be highly concerned about here when every single year you've got the Quds Force and Quds Day where they're stating they're going to wipe Israel off the map. Now, another thing I want to point out here as well is the fact that I find it very bothersome that we see the circumstance where Israel once again is in this posturing with the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Folks, when Saudi Arabia, when the Sunnis get done with what they plan on doing with Iran, okay, folks, this is common knowledge that they want Israel to be wiped off the map. So I would keep that in mind while this posturing is going on because it's really going to be important in the long run. All right, back over to you guys. Well, Clinton, your your comments on what Brian had to cover, additions thereof? Well, uh, you know, Brian talked about the oil and the importance of what's going on in the oil market. Well, you know, I, I forgot to mention earlier kind of the addition that's going on in Venezuela. Now, now for those of you that don't realize this, Venezuela has the um, world's largest oil reserves. So, you know, everyone talks about Saudi Arabia having so much oil. Well, Venezuela has a lot more of it. Well, the, the, the problem is that, you know, everyone knows their economy is in major, major issues. Well, they just missed uh, a debt payment. And they were needing to make that or they were going to basically kind of default. Um, and this, this, the creditors are, there's 15 financial firms. Um, and they have an emergency meeting again on Monday uh, because they need to talk about Venezuela's $150 billion worth of debt that they have. Now, the, the thing is, these companies, um, they, are, they own 95%. Um, of the uh, nation's uh, like oil exports, the company that does that. So the, the whole point is, is if Venezuela defaults on this payment on their debt, these 12 companies will come in and seize um, the assets that are associated to this company that is over the world's largest oil reserves. Um, and that also includes the U.S. subsidy Sitco. Um, and their refining activities and their gas stations. So, so down in Venezuela next week may be something pretty important uh, because either they restructure the debt, um, which they <laughs> I, I don't see how they're able to do this. Uh, they only have ten billion dollars worth of currency, and they owe one hundred and fifty billion dollars. Um, even if they liquidate and sold all of their assets across the, the world. They, they basically would break even. So either Venezuela stays in the current 
you know, banking market they have, and they're going to have their oil reserves seized by these 12 companies, or they branch off and go into the BRICS nations who have invited them to become part of their banking system, who then, if you don't deal in the dollar, then it doesn't matter if your debt is in the dollar. So I, I just think that's interesting that that is coming to a head next week as well. Yeah, I agree. Uh, that is pretty interesting that all that is – well, it, it, it's like everything is coming to a head. It's just nobody's paying attention. That's that's my thoughts on it. It's like everything is coming to a head and nobody's really paying attention to it. Um, you know, this, this really got me. Um, I didn't hear anybody really report it on it, but uh, – there's been a radioactive cloud detected over Europe, and uh, the French Institute uh, for Nuclear Safety uh, detected it. Um, they found traces of it in Germany, Austria, Italy, and Switzerland. And it points to an incident somewhere south of the Rural Mountains. So you're talking Russia, Kazakhstan. And yet nobody knows what happened. Now, there's no way possible there was any type of nuclear accident or incident and nobody knew about it. Unless all of the reporters were afraid to report on it. Now that's a fact. And, well, just just let that sink in. Um, let me cover this. I'm just going to read this opening paragraph here. On November the 10th, 2017, the city of Toronto, Canada, registered at 13 degrees Fahrenheit, breaking its previous record for the day set in 1938. On the same day, the temperature in Central Park, New York City, dropped to 26 degrees Fahrenheit, beating the record low of 27 degrees Fahrenheit for the date set in 1914. And I could continue listing sources from local news agencies saying that, well, we just keep breaking temperature records this year. Hot and cold. Um, we've obviously got uh, some serious problems with Jupiter. I mean, uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's been discovered as of late that the northern and southern electromagnetic pulses from out of the poles of Jupiter are not doing so in synchronicity. The southern hemisphere pulses at a rate of about 11 minutes, and the northern pulses are just random. And if that don't make you nervous, I don't know what would, because, well, once again, that's that's proof that something 
Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's, it's, it's proof that you need to be concerned about what's going on in the world around you. You know, Brian and I shared with everybody back in oh, 2010 or 2011 that the interstellar wind's no longer coming from the galactic center. It's moved north across the ecliptic into Ophiuchus, the sign of the restrainer. That should have you worried. I mean, that could, that could only happen via one cause. The course has been altered. It is coming to us via an, well, an arc instead of a direct shot. Now, God just wouldn't do that for any flippant reason. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, there is no known cause for what could alter the origin of the interstellar wind. What about Voyager 1 and 2? I mean, me and Brian, we covered it when it happened, when it was released by NASA. The electromagnetic field of the solar system is being compressed at the north and south poles. Now, there is no known mechanism that could cause that, not any. So, it doesn't really matter what we talk about. We're certainly here to discuss Bible prophecy. <laughs> but it, it's staggering how I've discussed things during this broadcast that none of you had ever considered. When... Multiple things came out of Christ's mouth. He was only talking about one thing. I don't understand how Christ could talk about, well, money <laughs> on more than one occasion, and you think he's talking about different topics. I don't get it. You know, I can understand a lot. You know, my wife was asking me the other day about what set of variables would it take to get us to a 16-hour day. Of course, she knows there are variables because God could do a couple of things to make that happen. I understood what was required to explain it to her. And yet, most of you think that God's talking about different things whenever he addresses the issue of wealth. That amazes me. You know, it amazes me how some of you will... actually think that God wants you to buy more guns when he 
plainfully told you that if you do that, that is how you'll die. He actually promised you that. And somehow in your mind, it's like the left half of your brain has absolutely no communication capabilities with the left side of your brain. I don't get it. I mean, let's use the example of Edward Jones. I used it earlier. Do you know what a newborn is? Let me tell you what a newborn is. It's when you figured out that you've, you know, you need to spread things out, so you go to another broker and give him a hundred thousand dollars, or two hundred thousand, or half a million. Now you have two barns. One's Edward Jones, and the next one is whoever else. I hope you really... <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, a barn is an absolute, has always been, no matter where or when you went, a representation for a holding of wealth. And if you decide that you've got so much money you need to diversify... I believe is what you call it. Well, you're going to get a kick out of what God calls it. But I hope you do realize that. The amount of stockbrokers that you have is the amount of barns that you have. And you're going to be doing exactly what he said you was going to do when he pulls the trigger on the start gun, aren't you? You can't help yourself. No matter what he said, he sent his own son to tell you about it. Doesn't matter what Christ says, his own son. This is what you're doing right now. You're actually going to be talking about building bigger and better barns when he pulls the trigger. And all of a sudden you're going to feel... The ground starts shaking under your feet. I wonder how long it's going to take you to figure out that it's a stampede. And you're not in the arena. You get it? It's not Ben-Hur. You're not sitting in the stands rooting for Ben-Hur. No, 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 no. They're not on a track. They're patrolling the whole earth. And uh, you're in the way. But you really don't get it, do you? You honestly do not believe God's only begotten Son. You don't believe a word that come out of His mouth. <laughs> but yet, that's that's what you're doing. <clears throat> so, what is it? Only you need to consider the. What Christ actually talked about, I, mean, I don't know, maybe you should go through the Gospels. Well, make it four times. I mean, there's four Gospels, right? Read them all four times, you know, from Matthew all the way to John. And just start over and do it four times. I don't know, maybe you'll listen this time. But of course... You listening 
It's not a matter of if. It did come out of God's mouth. Oh, you're going to listen. The question is just when. And by the way, well, maybe that's a little bit too far. You know, it's the truth. I'm not going to say it. I will say this. Clinton said that he had a good week, and Brian said he had an okay week. Well, man, so did I. You know, I think about it. I have a very good friend of mine that's a Jew. He's really high up in the Rotary Club. He sponsors more than one uh, professors down in Venezuela. I got to correspond with him this week. And you know what? I, I had a I had a very good week. You know, and <laughs> if I would have went to Sturgis, I'd be scared right now. I'd be terrified. If I'd went knowing I could have took my vacation cash and sent it to one of those preachers. So I'm glad I didn't. I'm glad God didn't provide me a way to waste what he had expected me to administer properly. You know, let me ask Clinton a question. Clinton, uh, what is the numbers looking like for the holiday season and retail? Um, are they expecting a great big black, uh, what is that, Black Thursday, the after Thanksgiving sales? at Black Thursday or Black Friday? I can't remember. But what are they expecting for this holiday season sales, uh, Clinton? If you know, do please share. Well, it's it's going to be very interesting because there's a new wrinkle this year. Um, I think it was yesterday or the day before there was what was called Singles Day, which is real big in China. It's an Internet shopping thing, and it was the highest like Internet sales day that they've had in forever, in, in just a huge amount of time. So that just happened. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Black Friday sales – and then the holiday sales are after that because everyone might have spent all their money with this Chinese sale that just went on versus the American sales that are the other ones. Really? Hmm. Isn't that interesting? You know... <laughs> I hope the Venezuelan and Greek Christians have a good holiday. I mean, outside of the idiot. And I did mean that in an academic way. 
the idiots running around telling them that it's a sin to celebrate Christmas. It's a sin to celebrate Christ's birth. Too dumb to know what's good for themselves. But at any rate, I hope that the Greek and Venezuelan Christians have a good Christmas. And if that comes at my Christmas expense, then by God, so be it. I hope you all understood what I just said because the Holy Spirit witnessed it. Okay? If I can sacrifice my Christian for one of 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 their Christmases. I'm not gonna ask my children or my wife's permission. Oh no. I require no one's permission for what happens underneath my house. And they'll never question my judgment. So I'm giving it to you publicly. If the Lord sees fit that we have a bad Christmas so that he can provide a good Christmas to one of my Christian brothers or sisters in Venezuela or Greece. That's what I want. Now, you didn't realize the Holy Spirit is going to take me to task, right? But you're too dumb to realize that's why I said it. Because I wasn't joking. I mean, I guess it's not too funny. I have, uh, well, I'm not going to say it, but I have been having some problems with uh, where I store my stuff this past week. Not going to mention it. Uh, you don't need the details. But I had a good week. Because there's a whole lot of innocent Christian mothers that this week was wondering how they were going to feed their children, whom they had had baptized and christened and blessed and. They're not understanding what God's doing. I do understand. I have the wherewithal. That's why I said what I said. That's why I meant what I said. If I have wealth that he can take for one of those children, and I don't care where they're at, so that they can have a good holiday, so be it. You...
Well, there's a big difference between you and somebody the likes of me. I have no vested interest in retirement. The only vested interest I have is in my children and my wife and my own redemption. Brian, your thoughts and comments, please. Thoughts and comments. Hmm. Yeah, i just been strolling around trying to take a look to see what what's being covered by others out there. And little or next to nothing. Bunch of nonsense. Bunch of fiction. I mean, it's literally ridiculous what I'm seeing some of these self-proclaimed watchmen covering right now. But what... What's new in that department? I would suspect. Yeah, you know, I mean, let's take a look at our local media. What have they been covering lately? Oh, that's right. We've got about a thousand big uh, scandals within the entertainment industry. That's been basically just barraging us. Yeah. Uh, what else? You know, it, that that seems to be the biggest one. And now we got a senator that's gotten his hands knee deep in the midst of a. Uh, well, essentially a pedophilia scandal. And you see, here's where things get disturbing. Because many within the right wing have jumped to this man's defense. And that seems to be the infamous problem here. Little article was released today uh, that pointed out that at one point in time, the right wing would have made a stand against such things. And the last time they did a poll... It was somewhere around 30% were not going to make a stand. Now they've got it up to 72%. And that that really sort of uh, sort of nails on the head the moral standings within the United States as we speak. You know, this week, once again, no different than the last time this happened. When we had the Las Vegas shooting immediately it was all about people's guns and they were afraid they were going to get taken away and that same old atypical nonsense. This week we had the shooting that happened here in the church and I would have to say the most unfortunate issue that came about with that is the fact that we had multiple articles started coming forward where uh, pastors were training people to bring concealed weapons into the church. I mean, folks, this is disturbing. And these are, this is the kind of things that are happening. And yet, with all that happening at the same time, nobody seems to be paying attention to anything that's important whatsoever. It, it just baffles the mind. That's what I got to say for the time. Clinton, your thoughts, buddy? Well, you know, this is the uh, the first that I heard about uh, uh, congregations having people bring guns into the church. And, and that is about the scariest concept that I can think of. I mean, just, just talking to people out in public now, I mean, 
you're hearing people say that they're afraid to leave their house, um, that they're afraid to go to these major events or now to even go to church because of what is going on in the world. We as, as ministers or we as Christians should never endorse violence or endorse that kind of behavior. That is about the worst thing that you can do. And and to hear that congregations are are talking about that 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 believe that that is the way to lead their flock that is absolutely disgusting. Well, I'll I'll add to that. Um, have you ever been in a charismatic church, Clinton, when somebody got up and uh, well, they call it speaking in tongues, and then one person would get up and interpret. Uh, something let's let's say it's along the lines of uh, you know where to spend the church's money. Then somebody on the other side jumps up and says, "No, that's not what we said. We're supposed to spend our money here." Have you ever been witness to that? Yes, I have. So uh, uh, you realize, Clinton, that I've seen well three. I've seen three saloon style church house brawls. I mean, literally, <laughs> literally brawls. Um, yep, had to exit the church as quickly as possible. And I was there to speak. And uh, yeah, cat fights as well as uh, guys beating the holy crap out of each other. Yeah, because of disputes about what the interpretation, where the money was supposed to be spent. Three times. Uh and the third time was a charm. I have not gone back to a charismatic church since. Uh, but, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, you've, you've got to be there to witness that. Uh, you don't want to convince those particular congregations to bring guns to church. Uh-uh. Um, wow. <laughs> uh... So, y'all just might want to think about that. Let me ask an off-the-wall question. Would uh, either of you two like to share any uh, dreams you've been having here lately? Either one of you encountered nightmares you'd like to talk about? Clinton, yay or nay? I uh, I have not had any uh, dreams recently. Good, good. Bry, any uh, dreams you'd like to share? You don't have to give the details, but topic <laughs> of the dream. Well, uh, I'll give the tiny little detail, which was the standout one, I think, in the midst of everything that's been happening. The large red horse chasing yeah, after that us. Yeah, yeah, that would definitely get your attention. Um, but I made a video the other day that I was going to make reference to this. Um, I've been having some nightmares, I and my wife, here lately. Oh, I take that back, everybody. And my house has been having uh, nightmares concerning a particular topic, very horrifying things, but the strange things were that they could not see us. 
we were able to uh, witness what was going on, and well, the um, well, just like Brian described, we'll just call them the uh, antagonist. In the dreams, could not see us. Almost ran over I and my wife a couple of times, uh, or stepped into us, and we had to move out of the way. And they walked, you know, nearly nearly stepped on us, or bumped into us, or whatever. So expect that kind of stuff. Um, just a heads up to everybody. By the way. Bright and I discussed a very particular celestial event that's going to be coming up. That's certainly not a distraction for you. But it would make sense if she who rides the beast was crowned with an appropriate urea crown from Egypt... It would tie into that thought, though. The historical events surrounding this celestial event the last time on the timeline, um, it's staggering to think how this time around the ride, this has been magnified by an event that is kind of hard to calculate, kind of hard to contemplate. So, well, Clinton, come on and say your goodbyes, and don't forget to give your websites out. And Brian, you jump on after him, and I shall take us out of this week's edition of the End Time Tribune. You know, everyone, it's a, it's a pleasure to to be here and talk with you, and and thank you again for all your support. Uh, the best way to find me is uh, on my website, uh, clintoncowatch.com, um, or uh, I post all the news articles that we talk about on my Twitter account, which is at uh, clintoncowatch, or you can also find me on Podbeam um, as the Diligent Watchman. Thank you very much, and may God guide you on your journey. Bry, all right. You can find me on uh, Overt Attention Show at Twitter, um, OvertAttentionShow.com. And if you need to get a hold of me, the band's of time at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us. God bless. All right, ladies and gentlemen, um, thank you for joining the broadcast. Uh, you can get a hold of me. Um, well, just try Facebook. That's been going pretty good here lately. If you want to use the mail, it is intimetribune at mail.com. I am your host, Matthew Miller. Uh, For all those new listeners that we've been getting, uh, literally in the thousands. So, I do appreciate our new listeners. (coughs) If you have any questions regarding... uh, the original languages and the source text of the Bible, go ahead, uh, shoot me an email. I do it all the time. Uh, So if you're a new listener and you're curious about something that is spoken uh, by God in the Bible, 
God's Holy Word, uh, whether it be the Greek or the Hebrew, shoot me an email, and I will tear that apart for you. Because there is something eating at you. That's why you're here. You know, this is not an entertainment broadcast. You're here for a reason. Don't be afraid. If you email me a question, make no mistakes. No matter what language it is, I will respond. I will get it translated. There is some Christian on this planet that speaks your language. I'll get it translated, get you the answer to your question. You see, I have to be good for something, or by default, I'm good for nothing. It's just that most of my American brothers and sisters in Christ have forgotten that. But I, I know what I'm for. I'm not for executing my own will. I'm here for his will and his will alone. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, God bless. Godspeed.